0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk
1: Radio. Welcome, everyone, to this exciting episode. We're going to talk about cybersecurity on Manufacturing Talk Radio. So we brought in an expert to have that conversation. Lou and I are excited to meet with James Farr, who's a senior vice president of operations at Executech. And we're going to talk cybersecurity for manufacturers James, I'm just curious, how many manufacturers are sitting out there, small, medium, large, with little or no cybersecurity?
2: Well, the easy answer is far too many. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, in my experience, it really is. It's far too many. It's just security for so long has been a second thought, right? It's like, yeah, I'll get to that when everything else is done. Or that gets the last of the budget. You know, the, yeah, okay, I guess we'll spend some money there, kind of a, re- a reluctance. But this day and age, I think it's time for folks to kind of realize that we are no longer in an optional game anymore. It is we we have to layer some things on or we are playing with our entire organization. Is And, you know, I, I don't mean to be blunt about it, but that's really what it comes down to in some cases.
1: Well, one of them learning a lesson, not a manufacturer, but Lou, one of your favorites, MGM Grand and the Bellagio, they're down. Cybersecurity attack. They haven't recovered yet. What should they have done, James?
2: I don't know enough about the details to understand the nuances or what could have been different. There's not a whole lot of disclosure about that just yet. So ask me again in a few weeks. I may have more information. Um, clearly, I mean, it's easy for me to say sitting outside, but more. You know, yeah, something right. went wrong somewhere. Yeah. So we need to figure out why. And I hope that they are willing to disclose what they learned from it so the rest of us can as well because this is part of the problem with cybersecurity. everyone's being so secretive about oh don't tell anybody that we got breached come on everyone's getting breached out there so let's be open and honest about it and learn from each other so we can start stopping these attackers from you know making so much money it's becoming a growing industry every year so we have to be the ones to do something different i believe
1: what are the common threats what where are the uh rabbit holes most people step into inadvertently
2: yeah i'll, I'll talk manufacturing seems appropriate for where we sure. are today um so specifically for manufacturing what i see or what we see most of are uh, attacks through fishing right so i pretend to be somebody else other than who i am uh i worked with an organization last month they actually lost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars uh through a phishing attempt now it wasn't their email account that got breached. This is part of the problem too, is it's not always us. It could be somebody else we're working with along the supply chain, right? So a vendor of theirs, they negotiate a, 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 an amount for you know for, for a, a deal and the amount of $150,000. And what they did not know was that there were attackers inside of the vendor's email system watching this email chain going back and forth, learning, waiting, watching. And as soon as they agreed on $150,000, that's when they stepped in and did their thing. They sent an email with a reply to all. So it had all the previous chain on it. Looked just like the, you know, all, it was all there um, and said, okay, here's the link to pay. And worse yet, they bought a domain. So your .com, right? This man, this manufacturer had a W in their name. The, the crafty attackers bought a domain that had two V's next to each other in the same place the W would have been in the manufacturer's name. So people look at it, their brain scanned over it, they clicked a button, paid out $150,000, lost 150 and still owed $150,000. So phishing is a big deal, business email compromise. And most of all, unfortunately, ransomware is still uh, this growing, growing industry. And we're seeing a bit of a shift. So ransomware used to be about encrypting your files and then holding them ransom. And if you didn't pay, you didn't get your files back. Nowadays, we're seeing more and more. Uh, it's a fancy word, exfiltration of data, which is a fancy word of saying we're going to steal your stuff. You don't want gone, right? Your HR data, intellectual property, things like that. We're going to steal that, and if you don't pay, we're going to we're going to threaten to sell that to the public. So now we're seeing a movement toward less and less of the encryption and more and more of the stealing data and threatening uh, ransom that way. So that's what we're looking forward to out there.
0: We're in the wrong business.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't but want to be
2: in a growing industry. I want this thing to shrink. Let's be honest.
1: But we're not Russian or Chinese either. <laughs> it's true. Oh, my God. I think that's where a lot of this is coming from. Ransomware is the one, James, that I find uh, most troubling because that can really cripple and even kill a company.
2: Yeah. I, in fact, uh, one of the statistics I saw that really scared me was that the average downtime was 21 days. So imagine your company. Yeah. Imagine you get hit by ransomware and you respond correctly. You've got proper backups. You've got an incident response plan in place. You respond the way you need to. You tell the attackers to take a flying leap. You restore all your data three weeks. You've been down. No one's working. No products are getting out and your staff is going without pay probably because you're not making any money either. So some organizations do not survive that three weeks. And that's a pretty scary number. On top of the ransom, right, Uh, which we see, which often, I don't say often, in my experience, there have been times and justifications that organizations needed to end up paying the ransom in order to get their files back. I just don't want anybody to ever be there again because I want to stop funding these people.
1: Yeah, amen to that. Uh, One of the things that... uh you have talked about is remote work. When COVID came along, we all went to working remotely. We accessed the company systems from home and it opened all kinds of doors.
2: It did. You're right. And we are potentially dealing with insecure networks or even insecure computers, right? What if it's a family computer used by the kids who were going on sites that were not watching at the same time, right? That's on the same computer. So one of the pivots we've had to do, and I want to encourage anybody who's either has or is considering a hybrid workforce, which is pretty much everybody these days, um, to to look at putting some of these security measures in place to try to secure that as much as possible. And there are technologies out there that have gotten pretty good about it. Um, I don't want to deep dive into the tech about it, but there are specific things we can leverage, such as what we call geofencing, meaning if you're not logging in from the United States, you don't get to log into the data on the network, right? Um, we have uh, things like managed detection and response, where there's a team of people who are monitoring your network 24-7. And they, and if they see something suspicious, they not only uh, alert you to the suspicious activity, they start responding to it on your behalf. So this is, this is a feature I really like. 2 a.m., I get a phone call saying, hey, we're seeing some suspicious activity and we're on it. So that's pretty handy. So that comes with a cost. There's a premium to that. But having a professional, you know, third party team whose job it is to make sure you're safe, that provides a lot of peace of mind to some people. They can sleep at night knowing. Yeah, please go ahead. What
0: do they they call that service?
2: Uh, Typically, it's called MTR or MDR, which stands for managed threat and response or managed detection and response.
0: Management, detection, and response.
2: Yeah, managed detection and response. Yeah, but I think Maybe everybody should be writing that down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been great for us. We have hundreds of clients out there, you know, and wherever we deploy this, there's at least for me a peace of mind that there's another team beyond us who's also monitoring this system. So I really appreciate that. Um, uh, and, and of course, there are some uh, other things we should all do. We should have antivirus rolled out. I mean, that should go without saying. And this is an area where you want to you want to spend some money. Frankly, this is not a let's see how cheap we can we can make it. This is this is what's protecting the first layer of defense between you know the bad guys that got through and the rest of the system. So I really recommend spending some money on an antivirus system. Um, and then again, I don't want to throw products out at you. But Microsoft has a, a tool called Intune. And Intune is really designed for a hybrid workforce. We use it at Executech here. Um, so it allows us to do the things that we would to control machines inside in our environment when they're not even anywhere near the office. For instance, you know, password controls or how long it takes before your screen is locked or all these kind of basic things. Those are all now deployed to machines in regardless of where they are in the country or in the world, if we choose. So uh, I really recommend that for anyone who's doing some nationwide uh, hybrid work is to consider something like an Intune or similar product as well. That was a really long answer to your question. Sorry. but uh,
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> The longer, the more informed. Uh, when all else fails,
2: James, is yeah. there such a thing as insurance? There is. Yeah, there's cyber insurance. Yeah. And... I don't have a, a lie, I've got, there's some legal liability where I can't sit here and recommend it. What I do recommend is everyone talk to a cyber insurance uh, organization and explore the possibility because I think the average ransom was something like $100 million. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I, the, I mean, the ask was in the billions, but the, the average ransom was around $100 million. And of course, that's across the whole spectrum. But unless your organization t- can suddenly cough up millions of dollars in cash, uh, the only way to to handle this is through an, through a third party like a cyber insurance company. Now, what we're also seeing is that cyber insurance companies are enforcing certain security minimums in an organization before they will accept you as a client, uh, which is, it's great, right? We're moving, we're moving the needle in the right direction now. It's like, okay, if you want protection, you got to put these things in place, uh, which are often things, which are always things that we would certainly encourage organizations to have anyway. So yeah. Yeah. look at cyber insurance because you may not be able to afford a ransom. And that's a real possibility for all of us.
1: James, let's talk about Executech for a moment. What? Sure. I'm a manufacturer. I call up Executech. What can Executech do for me? What are your services? What's the process?
2: Yeah, great question. Thank you for asking. Uh, We really cover three areas. That's your, your IT services. So... Server workstations, network infrastructure, internet pro- providing switches, hardware, all that kind of stuff, uh, all that level. We also have a cloud team, so their job is anything to do with cloud, engaging in cloud. So your Amazon, your Microsoft Azure. Uh, if you want to put a server in the cloud, if you want to migrate to the cloud, if you want to use email in the cloud, those are the folks that you engage with. Then we have a cybersecurity team, of which I am a member now, um, and we do the things that you and I are talking about today. So. Um, yeah, so we, we will do uh, support, either remote support or onsite support if you're in one of our regions. We're typically in the western half of the United States. Uh, we will come in. We want to really right-size the IT uh, hours to the needs of the organization. So we'll come in, we'll evaluate. Um, your environment, the number of machines you have, and come back with a, a proposed number of, say, hours per month, that we will assign a person and send them to your or, to your environment and say, here's your IT person. You, got, you have any needs, you call that person at any time. You know, if there's something that blows up in the middle of the night, that's who you call. So we actually assign people uh, to clients so that you get to know that person, they get to know you, they get to know your environment, If Joe calls them up with a printing problem again, they're like, oh, yeah, I already know how to fix that. And, you know, so we save a lot of time and and effort in relearning by assigning particular individuals rather than teams. So, again, long answer, but I think I got it covered.
1: No, that's all right. Uh, That kind of helps where we're going in this conversation because manufacturers, I have to believe, James, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it's less expensive in the long run to have a cybersecurity program than it is to take a hit. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. This is one of those return on investment questions, right? Or uh, an insurance question. We all have insurance on our cars because chances are really good we're going to get in an accident. This feels really similar to me. And and I feel very similarly about it. So yeah, I think we should all... There's, I appreciate the mindset that everyone has. Of, Let's protect our environment. I also want everyone to switch that mindset and have an additional one, which is, what do we do if and when the crap hits the fan, right? What do we do if we find out we've been breached or attacked? And that is not the time to start making those decisions or Mm -hmm. finding the right contacts or looking for a cyber insurance or an attorney, right? So you want to prepare ahead of time. This is the incident response plan. Um, Really, 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 I really want to encourage everyone to get in the habit of setting yourself up for success with this? Because unfortunately, it's kind of an eventuality, right? There are very few organizations that have not been hit in some fashion. Something like 83% of organizations out there have experienced some kind of breach. Doesn't mean it was successful or it was big, but some kind. So let's prepare accordingly. Let's have a reactionary plan in place that we have practiced. Everyone knows the right steps and who to call and what to do. So we minimize that downtime as much as possible.
1: James, how do we bring the employees up to speed?
2: Yeah, so uh, that's also a very excellent question. Thank you for asking that one. Because nowadays, we like the IT and the cybersecurity professionals, we're gonna put all these services and tools and antivirus, all these things, firewalls right in place to try to prevent attacks from happening. Um, But, and attackers know this too. So they're going after the busy human. They're going after the poor employee who it's 6:30 p.m. They're on their 300th email. They just want to go home. They're trying to get through the day, right? They start clicking on stuff. We are human. We make mistakes. We tend to react emotionally first and then logically, uh, at least I, that's my experience. In traffic, I can see that come up sometimes. You know, so um, <laughs> I don't know whether experience or not. But so they're playing on those aspects of us. So we really want to educate the users of what to watch for. Um, Most attacks these days are coming through, as we mentioned, through phishing attacks, which is coming sending an email going to an employee in your organization. So let's go where the problem is. Let's start teaching the employees what to watch for, uh, how to be safe, how to respond, um, you know, some red flags to pay attention to. Like, I got an email from my mom with an attachment. Why should I care? Well, it was at 2 a.m. That was a little suspicious, number one. And I'm glad I did because her account happened to be breached, and the attacker had sent out some malware using her account to everybody in her contact list of which I was a member. So that's kind of one of the things we're going to teach we we want to teach people is not just who it's from, but when and was it expected? And is it a conversation you you know that was anticipated? those kind of things. and to really carefully watch that domain name because it could be two v's instead of a w
0: So. I don't know if there's any the this thought just flashed across my mind. Let's do it. AI and cybersecurity. Yeah. Is there a connection?
2: Yeah, there is. There's a big connection, actually. Um, let's talk about the 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 good side of it. So the, the good side of AI and cybersecurity is it's fantastic. I can take Disparate information from multiple sources that a human could never sift through and find a pattern and ask AI to find a pattern in that, and it can. So AI can detect uh, a multi faceted attack, multi pronged attack going on where a human would see them as individual incidences and not connect the dots. So I, and I can say, pull 10,000 pieces of information in and give me a compiled report. I don't have to do it, and I'm not. I'm not digging into Excel. I'm not pulling data. The AI does it all for me. So there are a lot of advantages for AI in the cybersecurity realm. Coming up, in fact, the downsides. Bad guys get to. I say bad guys. Attackers get to leverage this as well, right? Uh, we used to be able to tell ransom or uh, phishing email because the bad grammar or the misspellings or the terrible fonts, but it's going to be a matter of time before someone's writing you know, AI or chat GPT for attackers. And they're like, Hey, please write me a really good ransom note. And now it's coming out flawless and perfect English with no grammar issues and a great font. So there are downsides to this and there are upsides to this.
1: Let's talk about the awkward balance between efficiency and security.
2: Yeah. Okay. I like this one because the single most secure server in the world is going to be the one that's unplugged sitting in the middle of the room. It's just not very useful, <laughs> right? So, but it's super secure. No one can get into that thing. So we got to find a balance somewhere because most useful is no one needs to use a password. Everyone has access to whatever they want. So we as security professionals and hopefully business leaders get together and need to find some common ground. A lot of business leaders have, and some cybersecurity professionals, all agree, have the mentality that no, it has to be this way. This is what the cybersecurity rule says. This is what we have to do. Let's abide by this to whatever letter, regardless of how painful it may be. And that's, that's not a reasonable stance for any business to take. And no wonder they want to push back against such things. So I want to encourage some kind of a happy medium. Let's do things that make sense. Let's do things that are too painful to put in place. Like what if we did multi-factor authentication? Yeah, I got to look at I look at a code on my phone. It took me 10 extra seconds to log in, but I'm a lot more safe now. I moved the needle big time with security for a very small change in efficiency. So that's really what I want to encourage, again, business leaders and cybersecurity professionals to do is, is find some happy medium ground. Because if you just say, hey, we're gonna lock this thing down as much as possible, employees start to complain and, and you know morale tanks. So that's not where we want to go. We want to go to a place and we want to explain it to people as we go. Because it's not just, hey, we're locking this down and, and no one says anything and you just can't do that anymore. Uh, I'm in charge of internal communications for things that we roll out. And so I think it's super important that everyone gets on board. Like, hey, here's a proposed idea. Here's why we're doing it. If you have any thoughts, let me know. If I don't hear back, I let them know a date and time, then we roll it out. So just getting people involved in this, getting business leaders involved in security, making them part of the conversation, department heads, all that. Um, Yeah, I kind of, sorry, I segued a bit here, but back to the original question. Yeah, find a happy medium between efficiency and security because it doesn't have to be either extreme. But I also need business leaders to be willing to bend a little and realize that nowadays we're going to need to put some things in place that are going to decrease efficiency marginally in order to keep you more safe.
0: One of the things that Tim and I have discovered over the 10 years that we're doing manufacturing talk radio is that manufacturers they they really know a lot they yeah. know to make their product they know how to sell the product there's a lot of things they know but there's also a lot of things they don't know so in the face of what we've been talking about with regards to cybersecurity, so here i'm a manufacturer and i'm listening to you talk and Okay, so I I went and I got insurance and I'm going to spend whatever that's going to cost. Uh, I put in uh, software systems, I'm in the cloud, I'm this and that. When it's all said and done and I've done all that, am I safe or is there a continual evolution going on with cyber hacking that I'm not secure, I'm only somewhat secure and How do I keep monitoring my system to make sure that I'm secure?
2: Excellent, I love that. Um, Yeah, unfortunately it is an ongoing cat and mouse game. Every time security finds a new tool that stops the attackers, the attackers get crafty and find a new way to get in. And software is continually evolving, right? Run Windows 11 now. How long before Windows 12 comes out? It has a whole new set of vulnerabilities and holes and exploits in it that attackers can leverage. Um, so we do need to find some way to be continuously engaged in our security. Uh, the simplest solution is engage with a cybersecurity team. That's what this, you know, like if you want to do email, you don't try to invent it yourself. you go to find someone that does email and you engage with them. I would encourage that with security, at least get a risk. what we call a risk assessment. Have some, someone come in and do a, an honest assessment of your, uh, your network environment, your, your, Servers, workstations, all that—that that kind of environment—to get an idea of what risks you have, because this is really what it's about for us. We're never going to get to zero risk. It, it's an ever-evolving landscape, as you mentioned, but we can certainly move the needle a lot, and we can do that by tackling the things that are at highest risk, to the organization, and working our way down. So, one of the things that that all risk analysis includes, and certainly that we would do, is if you engage with Executec, and I do frequently is create what we call a risk register. So we're going to list everything we can think of that we've run across, that you've run across, that other manufacturers have run into that caused some kind of downtime or outage. And then we're going to address every single one of those and look at it. What's the chance of it happening? You know, what's the likelihood? Uh, What's the impact if it does happen? And then based on that, we can give it a, a risk score. Then we can rank all those and we can start working things based on highest risk rather than, I don't know, just whatever the IT department feels like that day. So now we're tackling things that really matter and really move the needle. um, And that's the way to to properly respond. So ever growing, always changing landscape, create a risk register, keep it up to date. And um, yeah, don't be afraid to to retool periodically because it's always changing out there.
0: So I'm not asking what the costs are or expenses of doing all of this, but I'm sure Sure. it's a handsome number. So we have our fortune 500 and we got the fortune 250 and so on and so forth they could afford anything oh yeah and then you got the middle-sized companies and they can if they're aware enough okay we're gonna have to spend 5x to make sure that we're secure let's talk about the uh the smaller folks the smaller companies who yeah really don't know a whole lot about Computers and technology and cybersecurity and so on. How do they protect themselves, and at what kind of cost?
2: That there's a there's a tough uh, you know uh, balancing beam when you have to walk here because, yeah, as a as a small upstart, you're just trying to survive, and you may be wearing ten hats. And you're trying to compete with the big boys. So how do you throw all this in on top of that? So this goes back to that let's get cybersecurity to work with business leaders and find, a, uh, in this case, a case, a path that works. So let's put something together that makes sense. Let's not just throw, okay, here's your 23 things you must put in place right now. Otherwise, you know, no way. No, let's, let's put something together that makes sense in budget, in terms of time and effort. So we like to come in and put a roadmap together, first thing. Um, and we'll start with the things that are very simple and easy and cost effective, such as uh, I mentioned it before, right? bolt well, I'm going to keep hammering on this one, but multi-factor authentication, it doesn't cost you anything. You just go to click a button, turn it on, right? So now I've increased my security, but it didn't, didn't cost me anything. So that's really where I want to encourage, uh, small businesses to look are those low hanging fruits where we can really move the needle on security without a whole lot of cost or effort involved. And. Then let's start working our way up the scale. You know that first, it's going to be an ever increasing scale. The easy, the the easy, inexpensive ones. You know, and then the medium ones, and then later on, maybe we look at some more, some more ones if you can grow to that level. But there are certainly things we can all do right now to improve our security stance, regardless of the size of, of our organization, and that we should be doing. Uh, I've had the, I think I mentioned to you, you in, in one of our previous conversations that I've had the unpleasant job of going on one of these attackers' sites and seeing the information that was for sale out there. And and there is no one who is exempted from this. Yes, it was big companies and medium sized companies. It was also charities and hospitals and schools and gas stations and small mom and pop shops and dentists, and there was no one safe. So I really want everyone. I mean, if you're starting a company, then this is part of your build from the ground up. It just has to be, this is the world we live in these days. So, Yeah. So anyway, back to your original question. Let's start small. Let's do things that make sense with the budget. And then let's start forecasting other areas we can include to increase our security stance as we go. So at least we're improving as we go along.
0: So at this point in time, why don't you give us uh, your URL, your email, uh, phone numbers, whatever you wish, because (laughs) I know I'm about ready to call you.
2: I appreciate that. Yeah, unfortunately, it is a scary world. There are a lot of things that we can do, um, and I really want to encourage everyone, whether you hire us or another cybersecurity expert or look at it yourself, to please, please, please get yourself in a better security stance. You know, you do not want your the organization that you built, you know, from the from the ground up to to fold. That is no that is not a place you ever want to be or at risk of having to pay a ransom or to keep that thing afloat. Anyway, so. we created a website for this. So it is executech.com forward slash cast, C-A-S-T. It's part of our podcast. You can email me. I am james at executech.com. Uh, I get to do that because I've been here for 10 years. So I get the you no know, last name thing. Um, so james at executech.com, executech.com forward slash cast. I would love to talk to anyone about this stuff. We can just have a conversation. I am a tech, not a salesperson. So I will not sell you on anything, but I'd, I'd love to talk. Let's get you safer.
0: So for 10 years, you're basically
2: a newbie. I've been doing 50 (laughs) years. (laughs) (laughs) I have 35 years IT, so just 10 years Uh, at Executech.
0: Ah, okay, okay. (laughs) That's that's really terrific. Uh, Tim?
1: We appreciate, James, you joining us and giving us uh, some information so that our manufacturing viewers can make a decision, a decision that has to be made, and they may find that it costs less than they expected in, in hard dollar costs, and there are some inexpensive things they can do quickly. So we encourage you to reach out to Tech and James Fair, their Senior Vice President of Operations. And James, thanks for joining us.
2: It's my pleasure, Tim. And Lou, thank you so much for the invite. It's been a You're great time. You're welcome.
0: To be here. And we'll be doing an article for our Manufacturing Outlook e-zine, which will be coming out next month, and you can get more information and for anybody who is listening to this show uh we would appreciate if you like the show give us a like give us a uh, subscribe uh give us a comment if you have questions we'll be happy to answer you Uh, but one thing for sure hit that like listen to the show read the magazine manufacturing outlook Um, it comes out every month it's free all you have to do is Hit the button, and you'll have it in your mailbox. Thank
2: you, James. My pleasure. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Out
1: thanks, there. everyone, for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio.
0: That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please like and subscribe, share on social media, or leave a review. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Rumble, or your favorite podcast app. Visit us online at mfgtalkradio.com for our other episodes. We have also included links to our advertisers below. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.